hockey fans, it's time for Board Check. Impact Media's weekly drive through the neutral zone into Ovechkin's office, top shelf, left shoulder of the goalie. We're feeling fancy, as always. This week, man, we've got some fun stuff. We're going to obviously start off with some NHL headlines. We're going to talk some Canes, some Preds, some Glads. A little bit of owls, a little bit of an update there, but I am super stoked. Got a chance to speak with KSU Hockey's James Kravis just a few days ago. I'm ex- I'm just over the moon for you guys to listen to this. Uh, this this guy, man, he he is definitely going to do some really big things. Hopefully, he's gonna. Uh, do some big things for the hockey squad, but uh, as you know, he just he has he has a lot of stuff figured out in life that uh, I wish I did at that age, but I did not. But I digress. So much fun stuff to talk about. You guys are going to enjoy my chat with James. That will be at the end of the show. But before we do NHL headlines, I will tell you that if you want to be a part of this show. Here are the ways you can do so. You can email the show, 3endzone at gmail.com. That is the blanket email for Impact Media. That is the number 3-E-N-D-Z-O-N-E at gmail.com. You can search for us on Facebook, Impact Media, Board Check, Jeremy York. Any of those should find us. If you are a person who likes to just click a link and listen to a show, We appreciate you guys all equally as well. Board Check is the only unique show that has two different ways on Twitter that you can do just that. You can go to our at Team Impact Media, uh, the uh, the Impact Media page there, and scroll down to the appropriate show. Click on it. Listen to as many times you want. There is no cap on that. Or you can go to Board Check's unique it has its own Twitter account. It's the oldest show here at Impact Media, and it has its own Twitter account. It is at BoardCheck, B-O-A-R-D-C-H-E-C-K. You, It will have nothing but uh, hockey and rugby ATL-related things. We have doubled up that part of the channel there. Uh, rugby ATL will be kicking off very soon, too, so check that out for some really cool stuff coming up there, but all the hockey-related things are on the board check account as well. If you would like to follow myself for show-related things and unshow-related things, uh, just this past weekend, I was able to uh, go check out here locally in Atlanta, Putt Shack, and I had some pictures up from that. I will have a review of that at a later show uh, this week, but uh, go check out Putt Shack, guys. It was really cool. But for if you follow me on any of the social media channels, you would have seen the, the photos I posted. Uh, we'll we'll do some videos, some other fun things coming up very very soon. But you can do that at the Impact Ninety Nine on Twitter, Triller, TikTok, and Instagram, and of course anywhere you find a podcast, including Podcast One, Spotify, the iTunes Store, really anywhere you find a podcast. If there's a place you regularly find a podcast that you cannot find us. Let us know, and we will fix that just as soon as possible. So, what big things are going on this week in the world of the NHL? Well, 
Just a couple things. First off, I want to remind you that the All-Star Game will be February 4th and in Sunrise, Florida. That is down there where the Panthers play. That is coming up next weekend. Yes, next weekend. Uh, make sure to follow all your favorite your favorite teams and players as they go through all the the fun just the fun activities and, and all the, the skills competitions and things like that they'll have throughout the week. It's the NHL knows how to do playoffs and the NHL knows how to do uh, all-star games and uh, they do a spectacular job with that, but make sure to follow all the amazing things there. I think it is going to be on ABC this year. Check your local listings, probably some places you can stream it. Um, also in the NHL, Eric Carlson, Knows his name has been coming up in some trade talks, but he had an interesting uh, take on everything. Now, he plays out there with the San Jose Sharks at the moment, and he knows the Sharks aren't very good. He knows that his name is being talked about in some trade talks. Well, he said, he told management, according to these comments, that he told management that they should explore all possibilities and, uh, you know, do what they can to help the team. And if that means moving him somewhere, then that's that's what he wants to do to help the team. I thought I thought that was a, a very professional, very well thought out way to handle things. And uh, I think uh, he did a really good job of that. I mean, we all know that he probably doesn't want to be traded. He did choose to go out there after being a free agent, I believe. And um at least he has that reaction that, that he's like, you know, I get it. Most players don't want to stick it out for another rebuild or things like that. So he's like, you know, if, if it helps the team and you're able to get some pieces or get some draft picks, then, you know, do what you got to do. I thought that was just a, a really, a really classy move by him. I mean, you know, he could do the opposite trash the team and all that kind of stuff. And that wouldn't help anything, but I just thought he did a really cool move there. And then the biggest news this week, the Vancouver Canucks have fired head coach Bruce Boudreaux. A lot of people said that uh, maybe he was at the end of, of his career. And that's possible. Uh, also, Vancouver is not a very good hockey team right now. I do not think the problem is... Bruce's coaching, but a lot of times it's easier to move on from a coach than to completely upset the entire apple cart of your team. Kind of, kind of hard to fire thirty people when you could just move on from one, and that's that's kind of what they do. They did. Rick Tockett has been named the new interim head coach for now. Uh, yeah, Vancouver's got a. They, they've got a lot of stuff they've got to work on. Uh, we wish the best to Bruce Boudreaux in his future ventures. Um, maybe he takes a job with a team in the league. I, I don't I don't know if he's going to coach anymore. Haven't really heard much from him since uh, being let go. And, uh, you know, good luck to Rick Tockett as he's taken over a team that's uh, in some – in some good trials and tribulation stages of, of their season. And maybe he can, he can write the ship a little bit and get some things going. I think Vancouver could be very busy around trade times and around draft times. They need to, 
address a lot of things on their roster, and those are the two best places to do so. But speaking of rosters and things that teams could do to improve, let's talk about those Carolina Hurricanes. Since we last spoke, the Hurricanes have played a couple games, of course. And uh, they after, after that slide last Sunday against Vancouver, on Thursday they hosted the Minnesota Wild, where they were able to get back in the win column. Won that one 5-2. to two. Your goals by Chatfield, Brent Burns. Remember, that's my spirit animal. Hopefully it's yours, too. Uh, Brady Sky, Tevu Teravainen, and Marty Nachos with Frederick Anderson making 29 saves for the victory. He's looking sharp. He's looking quite sharp. And uh, they continued their winning ways, winning by the same score in Long Island against the Islanders. 5-2 to two on Saturday. Your goals there by Jordan Stahl. Jesper Faust, and of course, Sebastian Ajo with another hat trick. That guy is is, uh, an exceptional, exceptional player in this league, and I am so glad that he is a Carolina Hurricane. I know you guys are as well. Frederick Anderson with 29 saves in that one as well. Is that not crazy? Anderson gets 29 saves. 29 of 31 shots in both. The team wins 5-2 to two in both. And they get back to their winning ways. Their upcoming schedule for the Canes, because there's not a lot going on. Um, everybody's kind of gearing up for the All-Star break coming up next weekend. Uh, but they do have some games. As Thursday, they will be in Dallas to take on the Stars. 8.30 p.m. puck drop on that one. And they will welcome in Eric Carlson, if he's still there, and the San Jose Sharks at 7 p.m. on Friday. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about this game as well. On Sunday, they will... Uh, welcome in the Boston Bruins for a 5 p.m. puck drop for that one. Should be a lot of fun. While we're at it, let's talk about the Nashville Predators that, I'll be honest, if you listen to local Nashville media, some of their sports media, um, about half of it skews negative quite a bit. And while their shows are entertaining, and I'll give them that, uh, we we try not to to be so negative because for one, this team is not the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> I mean they're they're not they're not as atrocious as they're being painted out to be. In fact, they're on you know they they got on quite a streak there for a while and got themselves back in the playoff race, which of course. Uh, let's, let's just start with this game. I don't remember if we talked about it or not, but as of last Monday, just a week ago, they welcomed in the Calgary Flames. They beat the Flames 2-1. to one. Your Predator goals in that one, Roman Yossi, and uh, Parson, and I believe, had the other. But, yep, Producer Sassy is giving me thumbs up on that one. Yossi Soros with 38 saves in the victory. 
They welcomed in the Blue Jackets on Tuesday. They win that one, two to one. Your goals, uh, Glass and Trennan have the goals in that one. Lankinen with 39 saves of his own in the winning effort. Led us to Thursday, where they go to St. Louis and unfortunately drop that game, five to two. Sissons and Ekholm with the goals in that one in the losing effort, and Soros with 28 saves. Uh, he looked really good. I felt like his defense betrayed him a few times, and uh, that's that's why you end up losing five to two on the road. They were able to right the ship, however, though, as they welcomed in the L.A. Kings on Saturday. They win that game five to three. Your goals, uh, Smith. Grandland, Johansson, and of course Matt Duchesne had two. Good to see him back on the scoreboard. Yushi Soros with 31 saves in victory there. Your upcoming schedule for the Nashville Predators tomorrow night, Tuesday night, they will welcome in the Winnipeg Jets for a 8 p.m. puck drop. Man, they get a lot of home games right here. And on Thursday, they welcome in the New Jersey Devils for a 8 p.m. puck drop in that one. And then they luckily will get an 11-day break, 11 straight days where they will not play a game unless they're in the All-Star game until they are at home again on the 7th to host the Vegas Golden Knights. Is that not crazy? That... It's an exceptional break. Let's check the standings, shall we? Let's see where our teams are ranking at the current moment. Carolina is currently tops in the Metropolitan Division. They have 66 points. New Jersey Devils have 64 right below them. And uh, in third place is the Rangers with 59. So you hold uh, a, a pretty good, a pretty good lead right there. I think you can stay ahead of the Devils. Who went on that amazing streak and then kind of come back down to earth as we all said they would. Looking out west, if you look out west, you will see that our Nashville Predators are in fourth place for the remaining wild card spots. You got Edmonton has 57 points, Colorado has 53. They have the tiebreaker over Calgary, who also has 53, and then our Nashville Predators with 50. So they are three points and a tiebreaker of some kind out of the second playoff spot. I feel pretty good about that. They've only played 46 games. A lot of people have played more than them. Colorado's played one less. But they have a couple games in hand. So you can make up some space here. They're going to be off for, for 11 straight days, though, so it's good to rest people up and things like that. But it's hard to make progress. So you're going to see some of these other teams, maybe St. Louis or Vancouver or even San eh, not San Jose, they're not going to make it. Uh, honestly, St. Louis is the only one within striking distance. They're only one point off, so we're going to probably see them jump ahead of Nashville for a minute, but it'll all even out in the end. Nashville looking uh, quite good. Let's move on to our Atlanta Gladiators. They've played a couple games in the last week or so. And they're on a little bit of a skid. They have basically lost four in a row, dating back to last weekend. Because on Monday, they went to overtime as they hosted the Jacksonville Iceman. 
This was part of the Martin Luther King game, which is just awesome. The only problem is, is, is the gladiators don't have the world's best luck at playing uh, in the middle of the day. But take that one overtime. Unfortunately, the Jacks, uh, the Jacks Iceman win 5-4. Gold for our gladiators by Kate Oliver, Cody Sylvester, Sangu Shin, and Odin Tufto. Tufto has been a, uh, a fantastic addition. We had Tendek, who had 35 saves in the losing effort. Happens. On Wednesday, they went to Orlando, lost that one 3-2. Your goals by Tyler Coburn and Cody Sylvester. Parks. Tyler Parks was in net. He made 24 saves in the losing effort. There's Parks update coming, by the way, guys. They then went to South Carolina on Saturday and dropped that game 4-2. to two. It would be good to have them back home. Cody Sylvester and Cade Oliver with the goals in that one. Tendek was in net and made 20 Eight saves in the losing effort. Told you guys there was a Parksy update. Let me get to it real quick. There we go. Yep, Tyler Parks has been called up to the Tucson Roadrunners. We wish him all the best. I know what you guys are thinking. Well, that means we're down to one goalie. We just have 10 deck. Oh, contraire, mon frere. We have signed or re-signed. Joe Murdaka, who has spent a lot of time here in Atlanta, done some fantastic things. And uh, it's good to have Joe back between the pipes. I feel pretty good that he can hold it down either until Parksy returns or to finish out the season. And also, Odin Tufto was recalled to the Tucson Roadrunners as well. I wish him all the best. Glad he got to spend some time down here in Atlanta. And like I said, he was a great addition to this team. And being a part of the Roadrunners and the Coyotes organization has benefited Atlanta greatly with the talent we've seen. And we've sent some talent that way as well. There was another announcement. It doesn't like they show it, but I have it. And that announcement is we have an announcer. We have an announcer. It is Liam Godimer. He's originally from Long Island, New York. He is the new director of broadcasting and communications for the Gladiators. Uh, he has actually been on the Savannah Ghost Pirates in their communications department before Savannah. Uh, he called some college games up in the New York area and has won many awards for it. So welcome Liam Godimer and I'm way ahead of you guys. We are reaching out to see if we can get Liam on the show. Make sure to let every uh, let him know how appreciative you are that we now have a uh, announcer back in the booth as uh, Fulte, Mike Fulta of course uh, took the AHL job and wished him all the best as well big things happen big things happening for our gladiators uh upcoming schedule almost forgot about it can't forget about it right upcoming schedule 
this Wednesday. They will be in Greenville to take on those pesky little wabbits. That is a 7.05 puck drop. It will be wabbit season Wednesday at 7.05. It will be polar bear season Sunday, 3 p.m., as they will travel, the gladiators travel to Orlando to take on the solar bears down there. And uh, we wish them all the best of luck. And we will be watching or listening in all the ways that we can. So excited to have Liam Gottimer uh, part of the organization. Let's talk some KSU Owls. Uh, this, uh, this past weekend, they were supposed to host the Florida State Seminoles, and those games were unfortunately canceled. Uh, there were some scheduling conflicts and some things that come up that uh, just did not allow for the Seminoles to be able to come in and uh, play against our Owls. Uh, I don't think those games are going to be made up at this point, but uh, we wish the Seminoles the best in their season, and, uh, of course, we stand behind our Owls. That uh, It's unfortunate they didn't get to play, but... It's okay. Better, better to err on the on the side of caution. Upcoming schedule for our Owls this Friday. They will be in South Carolina to take on the Little Rooster guys. Uh, do we know a time on that one? Producer Sunshine is telling me. Yeah, I know it's a flight adventure. Do we have a time we nope. do not see a time? So I'm going to guess that if you're in the greater Columbia, South Carolina area and you want to see this hockey game uh, to, to check out the Flight Adventure Arena and, uh, in Park Irmo, or the Flight Adventure Park, in Irmo, South Carolina. If you were near Irmo, South Carolina, and check out the Flight Adventure Park, it helps if I read the entire sentence. Uh, just kind of check with the arena. I would guess the game is between 7 and 8. Just a guess. Uh, make sure to check out in case I'm completely wrong. But we wish our owls the best in taking on uh, those little rooster guys from South Carolina because the following week, the following Saturday, they will be uh, the little rooster guys will be in Marietta to face our Kennesaw Owls. Uh, 9:30 puck drop on February 4th. There's a chance Impact Media could be in the building. We are uh, working on that. But without further ado, we're going to go to a break, and when we come back from a break, we're going to have my chat with. James Kravis from the KSU Owls. Like I said, uh, he is fantastic. It is amazing to hear where his mind is at about things. And uh, I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. And uh, we'll be right back after a break. Hey, this is Jeremy the Impact York from the Impact Media family of podcasts. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. 
Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest ways to get your betting fixed. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Owl fans, joining me at this time, he is a centerman for your KSU Owls. He is James Kravis. How are you, James? I'm good. Hang on, man. How you doing? I'm uh, doing pretty good. We have, uh, we've had a pretty good chat up until now. That's the thing people don't realize with these. We don't just, you know, up and start cold. We've actually been talking for a good while. Uh, too bad people won't hear a lot of it. There was a lot of good stuff in there. but um, Yeah, for sure, yeah. But uh, it is definitely nice having you on the show. And after that chat, I, I definitely know you're going to be a, a great guest here and everything. <laughs> to, to clarify, because we did this earlier, uh, you are listed as a sophomore, but you did some high school enrollment stuff. And this is technically your first year on campus, correct? Yeah, this is uh, my first year at KSU. I did one semester online during COVID. And uh, I went and played juniors. So I didn't. I did some online school then, and like I said, some online school in high school to take care of some college classes, but I suppose technically I'm a sophomore. <laughs> as, as far as the school is concerned, you're a sophomore, so we'll go with that. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, you, speaking of, of other teams you played for, um, we're going to eventually hit on every on, on all the levels, at least that I saw, but you spent time with, uh, with the Brookwood Broncos, the Atlanta Phoenix and the Mad Hatters kind of walk us through the, the, the timeline of playing with each of those. Um, well, I, I guess I'll start when I was, I was really young cause I, a lot of my buddies, you know, especially as I got into more competitive hockey, they, they were playing ice hockey since they were, you know, six or seven. And that was sort of the case for me, but not really. My parents, uh, well, my mom always tells a story. She says, uh, that she didn't think I was gonna really like hockey, even though I always I always I do to play. Um, she's like, Oh, he'll get frustrated because he can't skate, he'll stop, he won't want to play. But uh so eventually I think maybe when I was eight or nine, they finally let me play roller hockey. And I I just I was obsessed with it, right? And uh, you can play roller hockey at home, so I was first couple of practices I couldn't I couldn't skate or anything. But uh I would go with my garage and just wheel around on my roller skates and couldn't skate backwards one practice. And I guess a week later we had another practice for, you know, whatever rec league roller team I was playing for. And, you know, between the the week I couldn't skate backwards and the second week I was the best at skating backwards on the team. <laughs> just because <laughs> I, spent, I spent hours and hours just practicing and teaching myself how to skate backwards. So, uh, you know, I just kind of became obsessed with it. I really enjoyed it, but uh, I didn't get into ice hockey until I was about 14. So a little before, I guess it was the summer before ninth grade, so right before high school, I started playing some house league um, ice hockey. And, you know, I still loved hockey, and I was, I was super excited to finally get on the ice after playing some roller hockey for so long. Um and, you know, soon after that, I, I started playing for the Brookwood team. Um, but I, I'm i just a competitive person just by nature. So, 
you know, I played I played on the Brooklyn team, and I was going to a couple camps here and there to get better, and I guess uh, challenged myself, and you know, I made made some connections, met some people, and some people in the Phoenix organization saw me and started talking to me, and they're like, "Hey, like, how'd you like to try out travel hockey?" And it was nothing special, you know, it was double A travel hockey out of Atlanta you know but uh I loved it and it was definitely like a the next step for me um as far as levels go right so I went house league and I played some high school and I played some travel hockey and I I spent I think three years playing for Phoenix and uh I played for two different coaches throughout that process I played for the same coach in 16s as I did my first year in 18s and then my second year in 18s I I played for a new coach um his name was Paul Flash he used to play for the Gladiators um and I loved him he's probably definitely the best coach I've ever had um taught me a lot of important things not just about hockey but about life and uh you know being a good person and productive and disciplined and you know like person that people want to be around and a person like a valuable, I guess a high value person in general. Um, but he taught me a lot and I really loved playing for him. And we had a good season that year. That was my second year of U18. So that was my last year at Phoenix. Um, and then between that summer and the next season, I was, I guess, too old to keep playing travel. And I was, I was planning on playing juniors, but I wasn't sure where. I was uh, talking to a couple teams, um, mostly out of Atlanta, right? I talked to the Atlanta Capitals for a bit, which is uh, the NA3 team out of Georgia. And then I mm-hmm. get a phone call from uh, I get a phone call from Flasher, and he's like, "Hey, like I'm going to be coaching uh, at the Mad Hatters next season. It's uh, two or three juniors." out of uh, Marietta, and he thought it was a good opportunity for me to come play and ended up deciding to play with them. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, I loved it. It was, a, it was a, you know, two or three juniors, not exactly anything to brag about. As far as hockey is concerned, you know, there's <laughs> there's far more better leagues and better players, but it was it was super fun. It was honestly like, like it's on – is you can't replicate it and there's no way to even come close to like how exciting and awesome like something like that is because you know hockey hockey is uh it's your life you know and for me that was like the best thing ever i was waking up every day and it was like you go and you work out and then you get on the ice and it's workout and practice every day and then you you get on a hop on a bus and for the mad hatters we were in the florida division so four out of five teams in the league were in Florida. And, uh, you know, we, we traveled, we had the showcases that were, you know, other places, mostly up North. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was, it was most of the time it was, it was four or five days of workouts and hockey. And then you hop on a bus with these guys that basically become your family because you're with them so much. Uh, you, you know, you maybe fall asleep, maybe play some games and, you know, do whatever junior hockey players do on a bus. And, uh, you know, eight hours later, you're in Tampa Bay or, you know, even even like Fort Myers. There was a 
super fun, you know, especially, you know, most of our season's in the winter. So it's, you know, maybe not the best weather in Georgia, you know, probably cold and rainy, but you get to Florida and it's like 65 to 70 with a breeze and palm trees. <laughs> so it's a <laughs> definitely a nice change of scenery. But, uh, you know, I, I people who don't get to play juniors, I, I always tell them, like, you know, it's not it's not just like competitive hockey. It's you build like relationships with these other guys that you, it's almost nearly impossible to build any other way. Um, you know, unless honestly the, the most comparable thing I have is like, if you compared like at least relationship wise, the relationship between like guys in the military, I think would be the most Mm. similar because it's not just, um, it's not just being around each other. That's, uh, that's, I think is important. Um, my dad introduced me to a Navy SEAL. His name is Jocko Willink, and he has a podcast. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but so I've listened mm-hmm. to him several times. And one thing he says is that the best way to build relationships is to do hard stuff, you know, hard stuff, stuff that sucks. And, you know, <laughs> it's, you don't really get that anywhere else. You know, right in the military, like they go through boot camp, they go through all these different training exercises and, and, you know, just different difficult things that sucks, but it sucks for everyone. Right. And it's the same thing for hockey, right? We have guys like every day we're, we're all working out, but it's not like we're just working, you know, we're all going through the same training. That's pretty tough. Right. Especially, you know, the Hatters use an organization called Operation Athlete, and they, they work us really hard, um, you know, so it's not like everyone's at their own pace. You know, everyone comes into the locker room, and everyone is same in the sore places. So you have that, like, you know, you can understand what everyone else is going through, and, you know, eventually you build a mutual respect because you're sore and you're battling this soreness, but everyone else is battling it too, and you can see them still working hard, you know, and practices are tough. You battle guys in practice. You're competing for ice time. You're competing for, you know, a better spot in the lineup. You're competing for a number of things, and it's it's just a grind. But, you know, through the grind is, like, this mutual respect that you build for each other, and then you combine that with, you know, these long bus trips and being with each other more than, like, your family, and it's mm-hmm. it's just... It really builds a special relationship that I think is impossible to replicate, um, which is probably my favorite part about it. Um, you know, I, I didn't get to play juniors this year. I'm too old, but I still talk to tons of guys on my team from both seasons, uh, which is really cool because, you know, it's not like it's not like some teams where you, you kind of play with them and you don't really talk to them and you forget about them. Uh, and, you know, part of that is just, you know, having phones now and the technology is really good, so you kind of have access to that, but it definitely is really special. It definitely is. It definitely is. We're with KSU's James Kravis right now on board check. Uh, speaking of the Mad Hatters, uh, they got a pretty nice barn up there that uh, you guys actually share with them at KSU. Uh, what's it like playing at an arena like that? Um, It's not bad. It's definitely nice, like, you know, we are privileged to have access to something like that. You know, as far as rinks are concerned, a lot of people are playing in rinks that are far older. And, you know, unfortunately, in the southeast, not all not all the rinks are really well taken care of or cared for. You know, there's a, there's right. a handful of uh, there's a handful of, of good, nice rinks. You know, like uh, 
when we played Vanderbilt, the four dice center up there is, is nice and well taken care of, you know, and I think part of that is thanks to the Predators. And down in Florida, we haven't, KSU hasn't played there, but there's a Hertz Arena, which is pretty nice, and a couple other, one or two other rinks that are, you know, seriously well taken care of, well run um, hockey rinks. But, you know, outside of that, you know, the Madhouse definitely is a, it's definitely a privilege to have, and not only like have a nice rink that we have access to, but a nice rink that is, you know, really close to campus. I think that's uh, I think we're really lucky to have something like that. Yeah, and from what I gathered the the night that I was there, uh, they're real supportive of having you guys and and the Hatters there, and that's that's something that's different here in the South too. Is actually not only having access to a place, but the place actually wants you to be there. Yeah, and I think part of that is just kind of a hockey culture, right? You know, there's not as as many hockey fans as someone might think there is in the South. It's a uh, few and far between for the most part. So, you know, when you have different different organizations, you know, all the like, you know, the Mad Hatters and the the KSU hockey team, we're not we're not connected, but we share the same rank, and you know, everyone everyone kind of you know is happy to share and happy to be inclusive of other people involved with hockey because it's, uh everyone everyone kinda understands that it's not like it's not like baseball or football or soccer you can kinda you can go anywhere and uh you know, do the same thing. So it's definitely it's definitely a privilege. Well and something that uh used to be unique to hockey and uh now baseball and other sports are kinda kind of borrowing it as well is uh, what is it with hockey players and, and style, uh, especially the hair and things like that? Because, you know, we, we know about the, the classic uh, uh, lettuce and salad and however you want to say it that way of, of hockey players throughout the years. But now every baseball pitcher's got the crazy hair or uh, you, you see them all showing up to – to whatever charity event they're going to, completely dressed like they're James Bond. And I tell people, I was like, uh, you, you guys got that from hockey. So what is it about hockey players and style like that? Um, I think, uh, you know, there's a, there's a bit of hockey culture that has definitely been around that uh, a lot of people, maybe they don't, either they don't realize or don't want to admit it's from hockey. But, uh, you know, definitely I think it starts with uh, – like I, I guess hockey culture in general, like it's it's more than just being a hockey player. It's more than just being a good hockey player. You want to you want to represent yourself, your team, yeah, your family, and anyone else. You want to represent that well on and off the ice. Um, back to what I said with uh, Flasher, you know, one of the things that he stressed was not only being a good player but being a good person off the ice. Um, and that that comes back to dressing well and going into the rink, you know, meaning business, right? So we show up to the rink in a suit and tie. And that started off as just showing up to the rink in a suit and tie, right? But you know, the more the younger the younger kids, especially, they like to start to push those boundaries. So you know, it was just you know a, a regular suit and a regular tie, and just just you know just a suit and tie, you know. And then you know, kids start coming in. You see maybe some things like turtlenecks and chains, you know, instead of a suit and tie, and it's still dressy, and you can't argue that it doesn't look nice, but it's not. Right. You know the classic suit and tie, and so, you know, we start getting into the, you know, the suit and tie. But you got a, you got a mullet. You got, you got a guy with good flow, right? Comes out of the back of the helmet, looks nice, you know. And you mm-hmm. get, you get some, you get some people on a, 
TikTok and other other social media um, apps, I guess, that, uh, you know, start to glorify this stuff with, uh, you know, some hype videos or posts. And you see, you know, it's, it's like a kind of like a mix of pop culture and hockey culture coming together. And you get, like, these guys that they want to dress well, but they want to, you know, be part of the team but still stand out, if that makes sense. So people are getting creative. And then... Um, like it or not, you know, people are seeing this from other places and they're like, oh, I can do that too, you know. And it starts to turn into an entirely different collage of, a, you know, sport and pop culture that kind of comes together and creates a new, you know, a new emphasis on, on style, right? And it's all, it's all, <laughs> it's all connected and I don't know if it's all from hockey in particular, but I think that hockey definitely had a, a big influence on stuff like that. It's just funny to think about. Well, I mean, you being a hockey player, me being a, a hockey guy with a hockey show and, and this is the hockey show we're on. We're going to take credit. We're going to go, we appreciate you guys borrowing those <laughs> ideas. Just remember where you got it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I've definitely seen a lot of like lacrosse guys in there. You know, the lacrosse yeah. guys are acting like, Oh, they got all this stuff. I'm like, I'm like, dude, like, <laughs> the the flow is like that's that's from hockey, right? We we have the letty, we have everything else, <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's cool, and you adopted it. You're like that's that's your adopted child. That's not that's our baby, though. You know. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, <laughs> you being a centerman, tell me a little bit about faceoffs now. I've already explained on this show a couple times, and, and you can you can uh, say stuff on it as well. People all, always ask, they're like, well, why do referees kick people out of face-offs? And the answer is because they can. It doesn't have to be a reason whatsoever. That's a whole different thing. But kind of what goes through your mind as you're, you're coming into a face-off? Like, what are you trying to do when the puck is dropped? Um, so you're asking, like, just like my thought process as I'm going into the circle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, depending on the zone, will change what I what I want to do. Um, so like, I guess if we're in the offensive zone, on the right side, I'm a righty, so I'm going to be winning it back to the right side, hopefully to my point man. But uh, if I'm in the D zone, like maybe I want to do something different. Uh, but I guess first thing I do is check and I see where my my teammates are. Cause I've gotten in trouble before in the past. Uh, some of my old coaches, I line up too early, and the ref drops a puck, and my team isn't positioned right. And they're like, "You got to take mm-hmm. a look first. So before I before I get down, I'm I'm normally checking. I'm making sure all my guys are set, all my guys are ready. Um, I don't care what the other team is doing. Um, maybe if if I want to run a somewhat set play, or I want to make sure I'm on the same page as my teammates, I'll I'll go and I'll have a chat with them real quick before I line up. But uh yeah, it's making sure we're all on the same page and making sure everyone's set. Um and then as I'm going in, I guess before I go down, like ideally my stick goes down second because then I can play off of what the other team is doing. Um and that's technically home team advantage, but not everyone enforces it, so I generally just wait. Um you know, if if the ref tells me to go down first, I'll go down first. But if not, I'm sitting there and I'm waiting for the other guy to line up and then I'll I'll key off him. Um and then from there, it's really kind of just learning, right? Some guys, some guys we play against are tough. Like they're tough to battle. And then, you know, if I'm losing a handful of face-offs against the same guy, I'm like, all right, I need to take a different approach. But 
off of the bat, I guess, if I was going in the first phase off of the game, I'm going in the circle, I'm checking my teammates are set, making sure we're on the same page. And then uh, I line up. Every, like It's pretty common knowledge that you want to be the lower guy, right? You want to be strong on your stick and strong on your skates. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I line up, I get low, and it's all just key off of a key off the rest hand, right? You don't want to be looking at the ground. You don't want to be looking at the ice. You want to be looking at the rest hand because as soon as his hand moves, you want to be you want to be active on the other player and win the puck whichever way you want to win it, right? Yeah. Um, I, that's probably more confusing than you anticipated, but <laughs> I, I could probably tell you more, but that's the basics, I guess. <laughs> no, that, that, uh, that makes sense to me. It's going to make sense to a lot of our, of our listeners because they are hockey people or, or slowly becoming hockey people. But no, I thought that mm-hmm. that was great because a lot of times people don't know, you know, they're like, Oh, you just get in there. You're just trying to win the, I'm like, there's, I said, there's like 14 chess matches happening at the same time in that one puck drop. And I was like, you guys don't realize how much is actually happening in that one motion. Yeah. I mean, I can, uh, I can, I can keep going about, you know, like, different strategies and also what other people outside of, you know, the sentiment taking the draw, you know, they all have jobs also. And and if they, if not, if, if every guy on the ice is not on the same page, it doesn't work. Right. We're, we're not just five players. It's a, it's a unit or five man unit and we all have to work together. Right. So if one guy doesn't do their job, nothing else works, you know? So right. that's definitely important. And then uh, growing up, a uh, big hockey fan. Did you have a favorite player growing up? Uh, I had a couple. When I was a kid, for baseball and hockey, when I was really young, I would have a different number every season just off of a player I liked. So, like, when I played baseball, it was, uh, you know, I went to Brian McCann, John Smolton, Chipper Jones, all these guys, you know. And uh, for hockey, it was, like, I liked Kovalchuk and uh, Kozlov and a handful of guys like that. But I, I read a book when I was younger, I read a book on uh, Mario Lemieux, and he was mm. probably, growing up, my favorite hockey player. Um, I, I wore his, it was, a, it was a bit of, you know, as you get older, you kind of get chirped for wearing numbers like that, but I definitely wore 66 for a long time when I was playing hockey, so. <laughs> well, I mean, you're number 97 at KSU, so, I mean, that's, that's an unorthodox number two in hockey. Oh yeah, I get I get sure for that, and uh, I didn't pick that number. It was just whatever they handed me in the locker room. And I was like, yeah, oh, it's my size, so I'll wear it. But uh, you know, I get a lot of McDavid, what are you doing, and all this stuff, and I'm, <laughs> I just gotta <laughs> soak it, you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely really liked Mario Lemieux. I I kind of felt like so we share the same birthday, so I kind of felt connected to him in that way, yeah. and I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I'm the same birthday as Mario Lemieux, like October 5th. So it's like right at the beginning of the hockey season. Like it's just a sign, you know. <laughs> so that was just kind of like a funny coincidence when I was reading the book. I was like, no way. And he's like a power forward. So, you know, it kind of worked Definitely out. You know that, that life put it in front of you on purpose. It's like, this is my guy. This is, yeah. this is where it lines up. It, <laughs> it all makes sense. It fell into place. It, this is my guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm no Mario Lemieux, but, uh, Definitely at the time, it was pretty cool. Was is Mario somebody you kind of model the way you play after, or is there somebody else that you kind of model your play after? Um, I don't know. At this point, maybe maybe not as much as when I was younger. 
Um, I think I modeled my play around him a lot more when I was younger. But mm-hmm. as I've gotten older, I think uh, like he was just a natural goal scorer. And I, I wouldn't consider myself a natural goal scorer. So as I think I have a good shot, but I don't, I just don't think that I'm a natural goal scorer and I wouldn't consider myself a skilled player either. I don't think he was a, really a skilled guy either, but I, uh, I think I would model myself more around, you know, like grinders, you know, like I'm just like, especially like this league is a little different than juniors, but I was mm-hmm. always a guy, you know, like a, I was a guy that just worked hard, you know. I wasn't a guy on the team that was going to go out and just, like, dance three guys and score, like, a, a beautiful goal, you know. Like, if I get the puck, I can shoot it hard. Like, maybe I hit my spot 80% of the time. But I can shoot hard. I can skate hard. I'm hard on the puck. Right? I'm, I'm a stronger guy, I think, just because of my work, at, work ethic. But, uh, you know, he was just a natural goal scorer. So I think in that sense, we're just a little different. But yeah, and I think uh, some people might argue, argue certain points. Oh yeah, he scored a lot of goals, and I just say it's because I work hard. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hey, they count all the same. It's I tell you, <laughs> just like bowling, it it doesn't have to be the prettiest uh, ball to to be a striking bowling. It doesn't have to be the prettiest goal to count. It still goes on the scoreboard. Yep, yep. <laughs> and somewhere down the road, not during this this particular chat, but somewhere down the road, we're going to have a debate that has to do with Mario Lemieux that I think you're going to probably agree with me on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but this would be a three-hour <laughs> podcast if we get into that debate, and we are not going to go three <laughs> hours tonight, I promise people. Um, what what teammates are, are you are you mostly hanging out with? Um, I guess right now the guy I'm closest to is uh, Chris Scott. He's, uh, he's my left winger. Mm-hmm. But uh, I like him a lot. I like a couple like uh, Aaron Tisdale is a good buddy of mine. But he's he's kind of he wants to play, but he's kind of moved on. He's studying for the MCATs. He's going to be a doctor, so he's got a uh, more important thing to worry about right now. Yeah. But uh, those are, he was my he was my right winger, and uh, we kind of just gelled ever since the beginning of the season. Um, but uh, me and Chris are on the same page with nearly everything. Right, I'm a I'd consider myself an introvert, and he's pretty quiet like me, but definitely, like, one-on-one conversations, like, we're we're very similar. And, you know, even though I, I, I'd i say I'm an introvert, like, this this type of thing, like, one-on-one, I'm totally fine with. It's just, like, when I go into a big group setting, I, I just don't care for it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I hear you. And I think, I think Chris is a uh, – Chris similar to me. Like, in general, we're both pretty quiet, but we share a lot of same interests and in we work well together on the ice. Um, you know, we like the same jokes. We like the same type of same type of movies and everything. You know, all the all the basics for a, a good friendship. You know, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. and uh, there's a handful of a handful of other guys on the team that that I definitely like a lot. But I'd uh, you know, when we travel, I'm traveling with Chris, so I've got to become a lot closer to him just because of that. Right. Pushes you in practice, or even away from the rink, that just pushes you to do more, or, or to just it feels like they just push you. Um, probably uh, Chris. Chris pushes me, but generally we're not competing against each other because we're 
on the same right. line in practice, but uh, probably Essex Moser, if you uh, recognize that name. He's number six. Um, yep. I, I know that he he always forces me to play hard, no matter what. And he's he's one of the few guys on the team that in practice like invites contact and invites like a tough style <laughs> of play, which I think is important. So uh, mm-hmm. I definitely like going up against him and Joe's because it's uh, you know, it's not easy, right? And I don't like it when when stuff is not challenging because I feel like neither neither person is getting anything good out of it. So. You know, right. when I go up against him, I know that I know that I'm gonna have to try, and I know that I'm gonna get better, and I know he's gonna get better. So, for sure, we are finishing up with KSU's James Kravis having a great chat here. Uh, it's been fun getting to talk to you for a while. Uh, definitely, a, definitely gonna be. Uh, I wouldn't say a future leader. I think you're a leader now. But uh, one thing that we <laughs> talked about a lot before we got on this show was. Uh, you are an architecture major, and you were saying, yeah, uh, you said before, how it's not just, you know, you're not just drawing. It, there's a lot of parallels between that and, and life and, and being on the rink. And uh, I was going to kind of give you the platform here to, to kind of say some of those parallels and how architecture is actually helping you with other things outside the classroom. Yeah, um, so... Architecture forces you to not only just draw and, you know, create these models. I like to tell people, like, at, at school, it's like sometimes it feels like big boy arts and crafts, right? But, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, we have to take a lot, of, a lot of time and effort that goes into, you know, planning a design. And then you build the model and then you do the drawings to analyze the model and you probably critique it and you put together this extremely thoughtful design by the end of it that should have a, a, an, a lot deeper meaning than whatever you started off with. Um, but, uh, one thing about architecture that I think that people don't realize is it's probably like what I, I tell a lot of people is it's, it's like 40% your design and 60% mm-hmm. you pitching it to other people. So I think, uh, like in architecture, especially in these classes, we have, uh, a lot of time that's dedicated to presenting, your your models and your work and your thoughts to your classmates, to your teachers, to the important juries that we have at midterm and finals that are, you know, composed of licensed architects and other professors and, you know, like people that have been there and know they're doing and that will, you know, critique your work. Um, but, you know, that comes with being a good presenter, right? And so you have to learn right. how to talk to different people. You have to learn how to vocalize your ideas and thoughts well without, uh, you know, fumbling over words and losing your track of mind and, you know, stuff like that. And so, you know, I guess, I guess the parallels in that would be in hockey, you know, like building relationships with not only your teammates, which a lot of people are good at, but building relationships with coaches, you know, coaches and officials and different people involved with the game and the organization that, most might not consider building a relationship with just because maybe they're nervous or maybe they don't know how to talk to people like that, you know. But Mm -hmm. um, so I think that in that aspect, you know, architecture definitely has helped me present my thoughts, you know, to other people, even if it's not in architecture, right? And Mm -hmm. not just present them, but, 
you know, present them in a way that other people can visualize what I'm thinking with me and relate to it and, you know, essentially care about what I care about. And also, like, just, you know, just visualize. Like I said before, it's all about visualization. But um, I guess I guess to continue on, I know this is a long, a long answer, a long <laughs> thought, but not just, uh, no, that's fine. you know, not just the, <laughs> you know, not just the communication aspect, but the, you know, a lot of architecture comes from a, a, a list, right? You know, you get, you know, what if in the real world, it would be an owner or an investor coming to you and saying, no, we want this built and this is, these are the, these are the elements that we want in it or this is our price range, right? So it all comes from you, like having it at some point or another, like criteria or limitations that you have to follow. And so a lot of that translates to, I guess, the organizational side of hockey and dealing with a, a club sport that's more player run as opposed to, you know, other hockey organizations that are run by people outside of the players, you know, but it all comes from like, if you want to improve something or make it better, it, it, it doesn't start with just saying what you want done, right? You're saying these are things you want, you know, because a lot of people are going to talk, they're going to, they're going to talk about what they want, but that's the most effort that they're willing to put into it is just talking about it, you know. So being able to sit down and hear what other people want and hear what I, you know, hear from not only the players but the coaches and other people involved and then also take my own opinions and, you know, put that down and start to talk to people but not only talk to them with words, but speak to them through my notes and show them what I have drawn and what I have written down and to create, you know, create a visual plan that you have to kind of start to build off in order to, you know, reach goals. Right. And that's just, uh, mm -hmm. that's an extremely long answer for teaching <laughs> you how to plan, <laughs> but Yeah. <laughs> No, I, no, I think it was great, it, and that's that's why I I wanted you to 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 say it in your words like that because I think you did spell it out really well for uh, all of our listeners and uh, and fans of yours that'll be tuning into this. Uh, James, it has been fantastic having you on. Uh, we wish you guys uh, the the best of luck and continued success on and off the ice as uh, the season comes to a, a winding uh, a winding end here here in uh, the next couple weeks. But uh, we'll definitely we'll definitely be reaching out after that to have you back on to talk some more stuff and all. But we appreciate you being on, and uh, have a good rest of your day. Yeah, I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. And the black